This is Kevin Valley, and you're listening to Caribbean Power Lunch. Special thanks to TTT News Station for producing this episode. Podcast World, this is Caribbean Power Lunch with your host, Kevin Valley. Here we talk about global business from a Caribbean perspective. Now, I know we've been quiet for some time as far as new episodes are concerned, but um, here is an interview I did on one of our local television stations here in Trinidad and Tobago, where I discussed what I've been up to during this quiet time, during this COVID time, what are our plans with becoming investable, what sort of clients we focus on, what sort of services we offer, and also a little bit on my take on what we as a private sector can do to push our economies forward. You know, regardless if you're from Trinidad, Tobago, you're from Jamaica, any other developing nation that is suffering issues of, you know, capital leaving your shores as opposed to coming into your shores and whatnot. I was interviewed by Mr. D.K. Rostant, who I believe to be one of the best interviewers I've ever come across in terms of preparation, delivery, execution, flow management, engagement, and everything. So without further ado, let's get into it. DK, Mr. Rostant, take it away, please. Well, this evening, we're going to be speaking with a person who originally started with aspirations of studying psychology, but is now a chartered business valuator, a business owner, and podcaster in the form of Kevin Valley. Welcome, sir. How you do? I'm all right, man. Listen, you really you threw me for a loop when you caught me with that psychology angle, man. I, I see you, you spent your time and you did your research, man. I love that. Respect that, man. Makeout scenes it. are always nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> with, within, within reason then, you But I want you to start off, though, giving an overview of your work and the services that you offer. Because it's one thing to say, okay, well, I'm a, I'm a chartered business valuator, but in terms of what that means, take us through that process. Yeah. Okay. So the um, so chartered business valuator. So that is a program that I spent more time than I want to admit um, pursuing. You know, with the Canadian Institute of Chartered Business Valuators, now renamed to CBV Institute. And um, man, yeah. So I mean, I guess it kind of it does what it says on the tin. I I perform business valuations for companies for a variety of purposes. Be it you're looking to raise equity capital be it for financial reporting purposes, and sometimes even for litigation support purposes. So if you want to take somebody to court because, because um, their actions, their, the result of their damages is a loss of your business value. You know, so we've had a potential client with that, um, with that circumstance. It sounds like there's a big catch, catchment area, but if we were to ask about an ideal client or candidate for your services, who mm-hmm. is that type of person that would naturally head towards you for this type of service? All right. So when you speak about ideal clients, and I, and I love that question too, right? You know, I, you know, people tend to say that their ideal client is somebody, you know, whose problem they could solve. But that's one of the factors, yes. But scientifically, there's actually like three factors that, that I look for. You know, the, the first being, who can you create the biggest amount of change for? The second being, who has the funds to pay for your service? Who could pay a premium for your service? And the third being, of course, who do you like working with? So with my, value, with my business valuation practice, as well as um, capital raise and advisory, I, I like to focus on, com- on medium-sized companies who have, let's say, the annual revenues between 1 and 25 million US. I think that's, um, that's a nice sweet spot. And it's also 
a spot that is somewhat underserved by the rest of the market because the rest of the market is looking for the, for the larger companies. You know, everybody's chasing the big fish. You know, but there's some medium-sized fish that could eventually be some big fish with some support. But and one of the things that I hear now from you, as well as in other conversations that you've had, is that it's not just about money. Even though you rattle off a figure very easily, but I guess you practice and this is what you do. But you also speak about relationships and making yeah. connections. How easy is that? And I'll give a little backstory on myself. My father taught maths, phys, chem. I tried to run as far from math as possible. Sometimes it feels like I ran in a circle. But in terms of saying, okay, well, as opposed to just numbers on a paper or figures in a bank account, mm -hmm. these digits represent people and possibility and potential. How do you make that come out in the way that you do what you do? Yeah, you know, well, first I'll say, you know, my father was a politician. I tried to run. I'm still running from that, you know. But in terms of, um, in terms of networking, I mean, you have to realize, right, at, at some level, when it comes to just raw technical skills, you know, you could get it. You know, you spend, you spend your time, you study, you practice, or whatever it is, you could, you could get that, right? So it's almost like the technical skills can become commoditized. But what, what really has a lot of value, a lot of intrinsic value to you, is the network, the people you could collaborate with, the people you could partner with. So for instance, DK, right now, you and I are partnering, you know, you, you're providing a distribution platform for me and I'm providing content for you. So I'm providing essentially a product for you. So yeah, I think people undervalue the, the value of networking too much. And I think that is the, one of the biggest intangible assets that you know, one could build. And that makes me ask the question though, how many things are we not validating enough, not valuing enough, just because it's happened all the time, and mm. we don't put a name on it that can be formalized and written into a plan or methodology? Because it seems as though there's so many things that kind of fall by the wayside because, well, it's, yeah. it's what we do, as opposed to saying, yeah. okay, well, this is something that we do, and we can do better, and we can take forward in a manner that can be eventually monetized, even though that may not be the initial aim. Yeah, and that is something that you see very common with um, like small and medium-sized businesses, entrepreneurs, creators, and everything. It's just like, you know, you focus on the doing and the producing, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because that's what, that's what you love to do. That's what you were trained to do. That's what your passion is. But, you know, for it to really be something that's sustainable, something that's, that's generational, something that could, that could be passed on and lives on, and something that investors will want to help you grow, you'll need to put some systems around it. Some, you need to have people around you that, that, could, um, that could help further it, right? So one of the biggest risks that um, a lot of people in business face right now is that their business may not be able to run without them. They, they can't take a, a two-month vacation and expect things to run business as usual. And worse than that is that the business can't survive without them. No, I like the fact that you're talking about business and I want to talk about your business so we're moving past 2020 and COVID-19, but 2018, become investable. What? Yes, yes. No, I wouldn't talk about how that's something in my ears, but what is it? And what was, was the intent? Okay, so yeah, I mean, I love that question, right? Become investable. So we're a business advisory company. You know, we, we, you know, we specialize in, in um, helping businesses. Um, again, this is more like the small and medium-sized businesses, people who are ready in business for at least a year so they have some sort of track record some sort of financial performance and stuff that we could look at help them to 
um, position their, their systems, you know, their, be it their competitive advantage, be it their human resource systems, like succession planning and stuff I was talking about, or even just kind of raise flags to them to, say, to let them know, like, hey, I mean, you, you, have this, you have this company that is heavily reliant on your, your brand or your intellectual property. Have you protected that intellectual property? You know, or do you know how to evaluate the performance of your of your board of your company? You know, all these things are to kind of de-risk your company for you and for your investors and everything. Just so you want to less headache as possible, right? Just to make things run smoothly. So yeah, so we are a business advisory company that helps companies position their business to make them attractive for for sophisticated investors. No, I'll. Speaking about sophisticated investors, I want to know where you kind of target investors from. But even before that, though, mm -hmm. do you kind of need to split your brain into different things? Do you need to kind of have a vision for a client's company that they might not be seeing at themselves because they may be too close to what it is they're doing? Like you say, too heavily invested. They can't step away for two months. Um, how do you help to say, okay, well, this is something that you can do. This is a part of your brand that I think you're underserving, so you may want to pay a little more attention to it. How do you look at these kind of things and prepare for clients when meeting and trying to provide what it is they need in that area? Yeah. So, I mean, um, one, it's a lot of industry research. And two, I, I, I believe it's more, it's more listening. So I'm better, at, I'm better at listening and really hearing what it is you want for your company and then kind of, kind of saying, well, you could do this, you could do that, that, and that could have this effect for you, you know, as opposed to just, just coming, well, here's my ideas, kind of shoving it down somebody's throat. Because to, to get proper results from somebody, you know, they have to be, they have to be enrolled in what you're saying. They have to be, you, you have to, um, again, they have to feel like they're, they're listened to, they have to feel like they're understood, and they have to feel like they're valued, you know. And this is something that we're going to bring up on the other side of the break. We are speaking with Kevin Valley. Stay with us. Welcome back. We are speaking with Kevin Valley, a chartered business valuator, and so much more. Now, Kevin, one of the things that you're just saying that people, it makes sense or it helps you to help people when they feel that they're listened to. And there's a saying that opportunity requires access. If I don't have access to something, I can't take advantage of an opportunity. Our conversation, I think, was sped up a little bit by you being a part of Youth on the Money. So I'm wondering what that access, what kind of opportunities you think that provided for you in terms of being listened to and being heard? Well, you know, I mean, it's about what, what I'm giving the opportunity to be on that platform in the first place. So, um, you know, thank you very much to Jayan. Um, I, so Jayan, so Jayan Francis, I can oh, I think that's a surname. I'll have to double check. Sorry, Jayan, I forgot your, your your surname right now. But yeah, so Jayan reached out to me on LinkedIn, um, maybe a month before the actual program, and she said, hey, Kevin, I've been I've been binge listening to your podcast, Caribbean Power Lunch, and I would love for you to be a part of, of this youth discussion on on the budget. Are you interested? And I said, sure. And she told me it'll be recorded for and syndicated through all the, the television stations. And I said, okay, cool. And um, yeah, being on that platform was a really great experience. A lot of, a lot of um, met a lot of fantastic young people, you know, Isaiah, Martha, Kadisha, Hans, all, the, all these folks. And um, yeah, since then, it has started a, a, a conversation, a, a very important conversation 
conversation on how the budget impacts youth and um, the future the future of our country and how and who is responsible for the future of our country you know is it the private sector is it the government because i mean the easiest thing for for folks to do is to say well you know the government has to fix it you know and it, it that leads quite nicely to the question of how do we start initiatives locally uh is it that governments is to build the space but private sector is to take it forward or to come with the ideas is there mm -hmm. Uh, a formula that works best we're not asking it to say a one-size-fits-all but in your experience what are some of the things that go into something that works well so when you when you when you think about you know the source of wealth for an economy where where the government gets its funds it's from tax in the private sector right so we have the monetary policy we have fiscal policy monetary policy is where they where they um where they toggle interest rates and the money supply. So that's the, that's the central bank's function, right? Central bank essentially is the department in charge of the monetary policy. But the fiscal policy, that's where, you know, that's the budget that we hear every year, you know? And that's, that's funded by taxes. And taxes source from income that, that we produce as, um, income that we generate as individuals, as well as income we generate as companies, right? So if the companies aren't, aren't performing at their optimal capacity, then they're, they're not as able to provide as much taxable income for the government. And then that, that kind of hampers how much, how much funds we have to reinvest in our economy, right? Okay, so that's, that's one thing, right? That's the economic aspect. But the, the government is in charge of a whole other social aspect. You know, we have to talk about, all right, is this a, is this a good country to, to, is this a safe country? You know, is this a quality country to live in? What about food production? Uh, if I get sick, do I, can I get to the hospital easily and get treated too? I get treated. You know, so it's a, it's, a, it's a mix of economic and social factors, but it's all about quality of life. And is, is one thing to say, okay, well, we need these factors, we need to take them in, but is it, What's your perception in the role that your generation plays in moving TNT forward? And I ask that because you're at that kind of interesting station where you're not necessarily long in the tooth, but at the same time, you've seen some things, you have some experience, you have your feet planted, and you have a general idea of what it is you want to do. In terms of getting individuals such a, in, that, in that age, you have kind of invested in saying, okay, well, it's my responsibility as well. Because you know sometimes you have people say it's them, as in the older heads, and then you have older heads looking and saying, what are these young people doing? But what happens to the people in the middle? How do you get motivated? Is it, where do you draw your inspiration? And is it that you're trying to carry people with you along for that ride, riding that wave? Wow, that was, I mean, that was, a, that was a lot of a question there, DK. Um, okay, okay, so what, what I would say is that you know, through, through every, every revolution that you've seen in history, it's always been, it's always been incited by technology, some sort of technological advancement, right? And it's, it's traditionally the young people who, who are able to grasp the technology and run with it as um, faster than, than, the, than the older folks, right? So I think especially now where, where we have coronavirus and everything, and everybody's had to find a way to operate from home and do what they need to do from home. We're gonna, I think we're going to see a lot, a lot more dominance of stuff like um, AI, 
um, well, I don't want to say cryptocurrency and that sort of stuff, but a lot of online business and e-commerce and all of that sort of stuff. And I think that will also kind of provide an avenue for us to attract foreign income, so attract U.S. dollars, so kind of help solve that U.S. that U.S. supply problem. And I didn't raise the point. You raised it, so I'm very happy to talk about it. What kind of inspiration do you draw from your dad? Because I remember you talking about seeing different kind of work ethics and stuff. Uh, is that mm. something that you take and use with you on a daily basis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, and I, and I tell my close friends all the, all the time, like, you know, so dad passed away since May 2011. And since then to, to now, I mean, like just maybe three, four nights ago, I dreamt him and every and every time I, I dream him is that same is that same kind of theme. It's just like like he never passed. Like he's just still there. You know? And I don't know, I, I use that as a as a, as a source to, to drive me because I saw his work ethic. I saw him coming home late from work and he's up into the night working. You know, you'll go to the gym late and stay up in the night going through his, his cabinet brief, then get up in the morning, put on his suit and and go to work. And to me, to me, now that, now that he's gone and everything, especially as, you know, you have this burden of, okay, he's Ken Valley's son, you know? So it's like people already, people already have you at a certain point in your head, whether it's fair to, fair to me or not. So I, I, try to, I try to live up to that. And, well, I'm not going to say I want to try to exceed it, but, you know, I, I, try, to, I try to hold my own in, in my own way. Definitely. And we don't necessarily say gone, but that has transitioned through that veil. Caribbean Power Lunch podcast. Mm -hmm. What's the inspiration? Right. Who do you have right. on? What do you try to do? Right. So that podcast. So I mean, as you know, that podcast is initially um, created to to highlight the work of Black Caribbean entrepreneurs because I found that at the time it was it was something that was not being highlighted enough, and I had a lot of a lot of, a lot of qualms about putting it out at first because. I, I was worried if people would think, oh my gosh, is Kevin is Kevin racist now? You know, like what like what's happening? You know, but what I've found what I found is that, you know, when you look at the other the other um, the other ethnic communities, that it's very they're very together, they're very they're very supportive of each other, you know, and they and they invest in each other and they encourage each other to start businesses and to grow and thrive and they and they pass it on for generations. But I wasn't seeing that so much in the black community. I've seen that the black community is more it focuses more on education than employment, right? So it was almost that, like black black business is something that you you hardly see. But because of what I because of my background back in finance and my background in this seeing businesses from different from different segments, I would say, well, okay, well let let's highlight these let's highlight these businesses. And but luckily for me, it was was well received, you know. So my friends from all various communities were very supportive of it, and you know they go ahead and share it with their with them, with their people and everything. So, yeah. And we have, we have just about a minute more. I want to ask the question of how do we attract investors who are not necessarily in our shows? How do we look outward and, and have people say, that is something I want to be a part of even though they're not in my backyard? Yeah, so this is the beauty of the internet and, and social media, right? So if you're doing, you're doing something great right now, the, the world is, is almost at like an even competitive stage, right? So, for instance, the, the guy who edits my podcast, he's based in the Philippines, you know? We have, um, for Become Investable, we have a graphic artist based in uh, India, 
you know just the other day we were talking to to develop to a developer based in morocco you know so it's 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 like we're all competing at the same plane field. We mean it's all about your raw value, right? Your your raw skill set. What can you bring to the table? And um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a it's a the internet has been a great equalizer, and I think that is where that is how we that is I think that's how you bring in the 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 um the foreign the foreign money now. And I think on that note, we need to talk a little later after, but quickly contact information for you, please, Kevin. Sure. You could email me at kevin.valley at becomeinvestable.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram. You can check me out there. My website is www.kevinvalley.com. And yeah, feel free to shoot me an email. We look forward to chatting with you again, Kevin. Kevin Valley, doing big things. And on behalf of the entire news team, I'm DK Ross. Podcast World, there you have it. Becoming Investable with Kevin Valley. Me. Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at CaribbeanPowerLunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. And with that, special thanks to DK Rosnett and the team at TTT, Podcast World, Cabin Studios. We are out.